somebody that you would like to dedicate this day into your hands. And this moment, O gentle Savior, I pray, Heavenly Father, King of Glory, that as we listen to your word, O Jehovah, may we let this place when we are well equipped, may we be delivered, may we be set free, may we get answers to all our questions, O Heavenly King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and let everybody see your work in us, O Heavenly Father, King of Glory. For I believe that we are not leaving this place empty-handed. In Jesus' mighty name, I've prayed and believed. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. Praise God. To all our first time visitors, you're most welcome. Do we have any first time visitors here? If it's your first time. Alright, we thank God. Thank God that we are all not new. And when you go out there, please remember to invite somebody to church. You can invite them for the morning service or the second service. Praise Jesus. We thank God that we traveled yesterday to our brother's introduction ceremony. The place was really far, but we thank God that we came back safely. Praise Jesus. Yeah, and that's why some people have not managed to make it because maybe they were so tired because of the journey. But we thank God that he has given us the strength to be here in the name of Jesus. And for all your contributions, thank you very much. So just turn around and say hello to your neighbor. Just say hello. You know, sometimes you can be in church for five years and they ask you who is the brother who sits in front of you, but when you don't know the person. But what happens? Most of the times in church, they only point at you. That's where you usually sits in front, but you don't know their name. So let's get into the habit of knowing each other. You just say hello and you welcome them to church. Praise Jesus. Yeah, you get closer, you get closer because we are all brothers and sisters in the house of God because we have one Father. And we all know our Heavenly Father. So today I want us to talk about intercession. Praise God. We are going to talk about intercession. So, do we know what intercession is? Uh, Most of us talk about it in prayer. We say that uh, uh, these prayers that we hold every evening, most of the times that is what we call intercession. But do we really know the actual word itself? Do we know what intercession is? Okay. Intercession is praying for others. Mainly that is it. You pray for another person. It can be your sister. Or maybe a a family member. It can be a church member or an ongoing project. It could be another person or a region or something. You understand? But something that is not so much attached to you. Okay, it could be also attached to you as well. But it is more of committing, putting yourself into the position of that person. You take the fall for that person. And then after you start praying to God to deliver that person or those people. So intercession, let me say, if somebody is in sin, and you also know that this person is a sinful person, instead of condemning them for what they are doing wrong, you put yourself in this person's position, and when you're praying for them, you take the fall for them, and you repent on their behalf. And after repenting on their behalf, you pray that God does what? Delivered them. You understand me now, I suppose. So that is intercession. You are praying for another person. You have taken the fall for another person. You have taken the blame for another. Just like our Lord Jesus did. He took the fall for us. He took, he carried our burden on himself and he gave himself as a sacrificial lamb for our sake. And even up to now, he still keeps on interceding for us to the Father. Because when sin came, God created man. And he made man in his own likeness and his image. But what happens is, when man sinned, they broke the relationship between him and God. Because the devil came in and broke that relationship. So there was a gap. And there was nothing to bridge the gap between man and God. So Jesus came in to bridge the gap between man and God. 
That is what we call intercession. He came in to connect us back to God. So you pray for another person trying to bridge the gap that this person has between himself and God and saying that God change this person. Change this person. And for your sake, God can do it. When we look at the Bible, if, if we read, uh, like I said, Jesus interceded for us and he still does. When we read in John chapter 17, verse 1 to 26, John chapter 17, verse 1 to 26. Now, uh, uh, okay, this is a long way, but I'm going to try and rush through it. Now, in John chapter 17, from verse 1 to verse 5, we see that Jesus prayed for himself. But he didn't only stop praying, to stop at praying for himself. He continues to pray for his disciples up to verse 19. And then he prayed for all the believers in verse 26. So basically, it is the entire chapter. Praise Jesus. Okay, let's, let, let me start from verse 6. You will read the other part. He says, I, uh, I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out to of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For, for I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me. For they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. For And I am coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by the power of your name the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. So I think you see this clearly. God prayed for these people, and he said that Father, protect these people, help them remain in the world. In other words, he was praying for what? For his disciples. Now, if you proceed uh, from to, to verse 20, you, you will read the entire chapter when you get time. Verse 20 says, My prayer is not for them alone. Here he was saying that the prayer is not for the disciples alone. Now he shifts to pray for all the believers. Praise God. He said, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity and let the world know that you sent me and have loved them as even you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me, because you loved me before the, the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that, you, that the love you have, you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Praise God. So in this, I'm trying to bring out the example that Jesus did not only pray for himself. After he prayed for himself, he went ahead to pray for his disciples. And after praying for his disciples, he went ahead to pray for all the believers that every time whoever that uh, he prayed for the believers that whoever the disciples will preach to the message and they believe, let them continue remaining in the love of Christ. Let them continue remaining and be established in the world. Praise Jesus. But the problem we have as Christians is that we only pray for our own selves. Anything concerning another person is none of your business. And that is the problem we have with the church. We can spend hours and hours praying for only ourselves. But what happens when they tell me to pray for another person? Within a minute, you are through. Child of God, that is not intercession. You do not just pray for a person only one minute and you finish. Okay, yes, it is a prayer, but even the heart in which you pray it matters. The heart in which you say that prayer also matters. Intercession is it, it, you completely put yourself in this person's place and you pray. Honestly, you pray in love. You pray for this person with all your heart. That is what intercession is. 
It is not just a one-minute prayer for somebody. Not because the pastor has brought it up. Because most of the times we search to pray just because somebody has brought it up. It can be a pastor or the person leading prayer. When the person who is leading prayer says, let us pray for this, that is when you actually start to do what? To pray for that person or to, or to pray for whatever they have told you to pray for. But you as a person, in your own private time, do you decide that I am going to intercede? For this person. Just like I told you. That Christ also intercedes for us. He continuously does it. And we see this in Hebrews chapter 7 verse 25. As we open. Hebrews 7 25. 7 tells us. Therefore he is able to say. Completely, those who have come to God through Him, because He always lives to intercede for them. Praise God. The Bible has told us that He lives to intercede for them. For who? For us, the believers. Christ continuously keeps on interceding for us, and He does not stop at interceding for us. He goes the extra mile. Sending the Holy Spirit, because He promised that He will not leave us as orphans, but He will send the Holy Spirit, who will guide us and teach us in all truth. Because the Bible clearly tells us in Romans chapter 8, verse 26, that we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit of God intercedes for us with warnings to the Father. We can open that verse really fast. Romans 8, 26 to 27. It tells us that in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with wrong and what that what cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. So the Spirit also does what? Intercedes for us. The Spirit intercedes for us to the Father. For we don't know how to pray as we should. Clearly, the Bible tells us so. We, we indeed do not know how to pray because most of the times we pray because we want to satisfy our selfish desires. Every time we pray because we want something from God. But how many of us have prayed to be established in His salvation? How many of us pray and ask Him that, Father, let your will be done in me. Teach me how to walk in the path of righteousness. Most of us go to God in prayer because we are asking for things. But the Bible clearly tells us that we don't know how to pray. But that is why the Spirit of God intercedes for us. Every believer is called to intercede. It is not like, uh, uh, I understand they are in, in churches there are groups that they call intercessors. There is a, a department for intercessors. <coughs> there are those who are called intercessors in the church, yes? But I'm here to tell you that every believer, as long as you have accepted Christ to be your Lord and personal Savior, you are called to intercede. You are supposed to be an intercessor for the other. It is not for a specific group of people. You should learn to pray for other people because if you do not intercede, that is being selfish. It is really selfishness. You are called to intercede and it should be meant for all people. Everybody, not just your family or your close friends. For that it is very easy to do, but for all people. Uh, if we read in First Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 to 2, First Timothy brings it out very well. Let, let's read it because I, I really want to bet on that. First Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 to 2. Now, First Timothy chapter 2. Verse 1 tells us, I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for everyone. And verse 2 tells us, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Praise God. 
the Bible has clearly said, intercession should be made for all people, for kings and for all those in authority. Praise God. So that we may live peaceful, quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. You are wondering why the leader should be bad? It is because of you. You do not pray for your leaders. You're wondering why the person who is working in your organization, your workmates, or your boss is behaving the way he is. It is because of you. You do not pray for them. The Bible clearly says it should be made for all people. Because in so doing, you're going to live peaceful lives. But we don't. We complain about bad leadership in our country. But how many of us take the time to say that let us pray for our leaders? How many have really soaked themselves into that and said that for sure, we are fed up of the corruption in our country. We are fed up of the corrupt and selfish and greedy leaders. Let us intercede for these people so that God can change them. They can have a change of heart and turn back to God. How many of us do that? We do not. But we complain so much about the bad leadership that we have. We complain so much about the poverty going on in our nation, but how many of us have taken up the time to intercede for this country, for our nation, and we cry out to God that Father heal our land? We don't do it. We only pray for ourselves, our children, and our families, but we forget the country that we dwell in. This is the nation that we are. This is our land. If something goes wrong, it affects all of us because this is where we are. We are citizens. If other president makes a decision, it is going to affect the entire nation. When he set lockdown, when this COVID had just come in, everybody was affected. We were not allowed to move and we sat home. When something goes wrong in the nation, it affects everybody. So let us put it in ourselves to pray for our leaders. And I'm not just, I'm not just talking about a five-minute prayer. If you are ready to change a nation, if you really want a prayer that is going to change a nation, it has to be really a prayer from the bottom of your heart. But we pray with hatred. We pray with so much hatred for our leaders. It is like all we want is death. In fact, all we wish for them is death. Nobody wishes for them to change. Nobody wishes for them to come to Christ. But all we wish for them is what? Death. We complain that the president is so selfish, the president is this and that. But how many have taken up that time and said, Lord, I am going to fast and pray that my president can get a change of heart and learn to manage this nation. We pray for the guidance of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit will guide him in leading this nation. How many do that? Nobody does. If they are there, they are, they, they are so little. If, 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 you know, a prayer that is made out of anger, that anger and bitterness, you don't even end up praying the right way. All you pray for is to do is for what for this person to die. You know, when you're praying for an enemy, it is like someone has put a gun on your head and forcing you to pray for, the, for this person. But that is what happens. That is what is happening in actually the country. If we get together, if we unite, if we get together as one and decide that let us pray for our nation, if we get together as one and decide that let us pray for the leaders in authority instead of complaining and grumbling endlessly, I am telling you there will be a change in Uganda. There will be a great change if we had started this from a long time ago. Dictatorship used to be there even from the times of Obote, I mean, they, they never even used to allow Christians. But there is a pastor I had, uh, I think it was Apostle Wilson, I, I don't remember, Apostle Wilson, Kulaba. he said, this nation was so terrible. You would find people running from one end to the other, and again you find at uh, the end you're running, two people are also running to your end, and you ask them what is wrong, they are not telling you, so you also join in the q and right? The persecution was so much during those times, when the dictatorship of Idi Amin was so bad. But he said that people prayed, those churches were closed, you would go into the church. It was normal for you to see the glory of the Lord settled upon a church like a cloud. 
find women and children, and at night he would find the men, but people cried out to God for our nation until he finally restored the peace. What happened when he restored the peace? We relaxed. We relaxed. We forgot about God. We, everybody, completely forgot about God because God had, did, had done what? Had delivered us. When you look at the nation of Israel, this is also what happened. They cried out to God while they were in slavery. They cried out to God to deliver them from the Egyptians. From, for 430 years, these people were subjected to slavery. And God finally delivered them. And he drew them out of the hands of their slave masters. He saved them and took them out. But what did they do? They rebelled against God. They started complaining. They started grumbling. They started wondering what kind of God is this that we cannot see. For us who want to serve something, we see. And then they went the extra mile to do what? To create a car. They, they, they create, made a golden car. Something that they could see they can worship. You can imagine. After all that the Lord had showed them, after God showed them His power, and after all that He had done for them, and the template that they had seen Him doing to their enemies, they still went ahead and rebelled against Him. They still turned their backs away from Him. And if it was not for God's intercession, He would have wiped out the entire nation of Israel. But the Bible clearly tells us in Exodus chapter 32, verse 11 to 13, uh, if we can read that briefly. In Exodus chapter 32, verse 11 to 13. Verse 11 tells us, But Moses sought the favor of the Lord his God. O Lord, he said, Why should, you should your anger burn against your people, whom you brought out of Egypt, with great power and a mighty hand, why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to wipe them off the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce anger, relent, and do not bring disaster on your people. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, to whom you swore by your own soul. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I will give your descendants all this land I promised them and it will be their inheritance forever. Then the Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster he had threatened. Praise God. It was because of Moses' intercession that the Lord relented. He did not bring the anger, but he was so angry because of these people. He was going to wipe out the nation of Israel, the entire nation, because of what they had done. But Moses cried out to God. On behalf of the nation of Israel, this one man went to God in prayer. And he prayed, and he cried out, and God saved the nation, because he interceded for them. Tell the Lord, that is what we need. We need somebody to come out and cry out to God. We need to put our needs aside for the meantime. We need to stop being selfish. We can pray for ourselves. Somebody can fast and pray. For sure you can fast and pray, especially a sister who is in desperate need of a husband. You will go five days, right? Seven days, right? Just begging God for a husband for seven days. But how can one day, just a day, be so hard for you to do? Just one day to say that, let me pray for my leaders. Just a day in a week, saying that, Lord, I would like to pray for my nation, Uganda. I bring it into your hands. You see chaos in the nation go around, and we complain that it is the government. We see all these riots and demonstrations, and we complain it is the bad leadership. But what have we done as believers? Instead of complaining, you can find that we can be in a church, and the believers themselves complain about the past. The pastor does this. The pastor is a terrible pastor. The pastor is this. The pastor is that. But you ask yourself, sincerely speaking, you're complaining about the pastor, but how many take time to say that, let me place my pastor into the hands of God? How many pray for the pastor's family than the pastor himself? You complain about the pastor being poor, he does not progress. 
out of that church because there is no anointing. But do you really pray for your pastor? Instead of complaining that he's in a story and poor church, that after that, after that, there is no progress. How many people pray for the pastor? Instead of complaining about the pastor's children, how badly behaved they are, you see the pastor's daughter even got herself pregnant. People, they are not gods. They are human beings. These pastors are human beings like you and me. They have blood running through their veins. God called them for that job. And it is not an easy job, but they need your prayers as believers. These pastors need your prayers. Yes, they fall. But you know what we do as a church? We instead condemn them. We instead judge them terribly for their mistakes. Instead of joining hearts together and interceding for them. We complain a lot about brethren in the church. We say that this sister shouldn't have done this. You shouldn't have gotten yourself pregnant to that extent. You know, the complaints we make are so many. But before you start complaining, have you really interceded for your church? Have you? Before you get out of the church, I feel that church has a lot of problems. Many people there, they are really not okay. They have a lot of problems. You as a believer, have you gotten down and you need to intercede for your church? How often do you do that? Oh, it is me, my children, my household. That is where it stops. Before you start complaining about having a terrible boss, the boss is a womanizer, the boss is a thief, the boss is very tough, how often have you prayed for him? The man doesn't pay us well. The man doesn't do this. Do you actually pray for that business to progress? Do you pray that Lord, where I'm working, bless my boss, bless my workmates, let them lead them to salvation? Do you actually take time and actually pray for the place that you're working, or you only complain of best payments? Child of God, we need to come back to God. We need to learn to intercede. The places where we are in, we face problems because we do not intercede for them. We face problems in the places that we work because we do not pray for these people. You know, uh, uh, let me give you a testimony of a certain lady. She cried out to God to bless her with a job. Hmm? And God gave her a job after serious prayer and fasting. So when she got the job, she went and started to work. But the boss told her, called her in the office. And he told her, you know, for me to be working in this organization, I need to have my room in your family. I need to sleep with you. So the other day, me, I cannot, I am born again. And he told her exactly, and it is the born again that I really want. The good thing you are born again, which means you are not even sick. So, she, she went to the boss told her, just go and think about it, then you will come back. So after some time, he calls her back again and said, how much is your decision? The lady said, me, I cannot do that. I cannot go against the will of my father. I cannot sleep with you, sir. I will be violating myself, my body is the temple of God, and all that. So the man told her, if you do not accept, next week you will not come back here. Write yourself a letter of resignation and leave this, leave this place. So the lady went away so depressed. She went and talked to her pastor, and her pastor told her, No, the thing is simple. He is your boss. You need to pray for him, okay? You can change that man by just your prayers. So she went into three days. She left work on Friday. She went into prayer and fasting on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. She prayed and repented on behalf of her boss, praying to God to forgive him for the sexual immorality and all that. And she, she literally put herself in the place of her boss and repented on his behalf, then prayed that God wipes out the thoughts of sexual immorality out of his mind. He wipes out that sin of sexual immorality out of his mind and out of the company where she was working. For three days, she fasted and prayed. And she says when she went back to work, the boss told her, go to your desk and work, don't put my hand. In other words, she had one. The man who had told her that when you don't come back here, write yourself a resignation letter. The next thing he told her, go and work. Praise God. 
So I'm saying that your prayers, if you intercede for somebody, you can, they can work. Prayer works. Your prayers can change somebody. Your intercessory prayer can change a person. If God did it for Israel, He can do it for you. The reason as to why you see wrangles in homes, if there are conflicts in homes, one home is like this, one home is the other side. Because there is too much hatred and nobody is willing to stand with the gap to intercede for this home. The conflicts are so many. But if you can, if you, if, if you decide you as you to stand in the gap for the sake of your family and say, God, I cry out to you for my family. Forgive us for this and this and this. I cry out to you to please restore peace and unity in this home. Tell the Lord, I'm telling you, the Lord will deliver your family because of you. Because of your prayers. We need to learn to intercede. God can change a person because of you. The reason as to why you see Christians fall. The reason as to why you see that there is a lot of falling down, there the, 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 the are a lot of backslidings within the church is because we rarely intercede for each other. We rarely do. You find that somebody backslides because of something small. They say that, for goodness sake, me, I have been in that church for a very long time, but I don't see any change. I am going to go back into the world because even a person in the world is better. But it is because you don't intercede as a church for one another. At least in a church, get somebody, not one person that you speak to, but at least get a group. You can decide that I will intercede for the worship team, I will intercede for my pastors, I will intercede for the ushers, I will intercede for all the singles in the church, I will intercede for the Sunday school children in the church. Do that on a weekly basis and find a group in the church that you can intercede for. Instead of complaining that the church construction ever since they started, the, the church has not gone anywhere. How can we go to raise just nine million for the roof? Have you prayed about that? Must you complain about it all the time? Do we really pray for the church programs, the construction and all that? Do we take time to pray for the church leaders themselves, the administrators, all the pastors? Do we take time? I would just complain about their status. The pastor is poor. There is no anointing. Me, I'm getting out of that church. And you know what is funny? The pastor you're calling poor does not have anointing. The one who prayed for you and you have reached the level you have reached, but you have forgotten the prayers that he offered to you. You have decided to get out of the church because you don't see any anointing flowing in that church. You're going to a church with what? Greater anointing. Why do we measure anointing because of the things that we why do we measure anointing because of the materials that we see? For goodness sake, a building, just because a building looks beautiful doesn't mean that there is anointing overflowing endlessly in that church. God works everywhere. God works everywhere. He is everywhere, child of God. We need to pray for each other. Intercede for your church. Intercede for your workmates. You need to see a change in them. Intercede for them. Intercede for your spouses, your husband and your wife. We can complain so much, especially with the women. We have a tendency of complaining. You can complain about your husband. Not doing this. My husband doesn't do that. My husband doesn't leave money on the table. My husband is so poor. My husband is this and that. But do you really pray for your husband or you just complain? And let me tell you something. The more you complain, you know, women have a, a they certainly talk more than the men. Even a reserved woman, you find that if you put a reserved woman together with a reserved man, she will end up talking more than the other one. Women have that problem. Okay, it's not a problem, right? I think it's in nature. They say women's words are more than, always more than the men. But there are men who also talk too much. But out of a hundred, I think it's fine for So here is the thing. Most of the times, when you talk, you tend to lose control over the words that you say. You forget that your words, huh? your words come true. They come true. You see, the Bible clearly tells us 
that I cannot teach me that my wife, my wife is what fulfilled. Words have power. The tongue has power. In James, James chapter 3 talks about the power of the tongue. That man has failed to tell the tongue. So the words you say with your tongue cause an effect. How do curses come about? You pronounce them. You get me? So the more words you say against your husband, just because he has failed to meet to your need, you're calling him useless. You're calling him irresponsible. You're saying he's a stupid and foolish man. See, those words cause an impact upon his life. And indeed, indeed, he's going to become that because you have pronounced it upon his life. You're calling your wife an old hand. You're calling her, she's irresponsible. Look at her. I don't even know what was on my mind when I married you. Let me tell you, those words have impact on their lives. The words themselves have impact on your children. The more you pronounce them, the more you're pronouncing curses upon them. And that is what is going to affect their lives. Instead of pronouncing curses upon your husband and your wife, why don't you go down on your knees and pray for them? God can change them. If your husband is a very selfish man that doesn't leave money at home, put yourself in his position. Pray for God to change him. If he cheats on you endlessly, he doesn't want sleeping around. Child of God, let me tell you, when he cheats, you have cheated. As long as you are the wife. Because the Bible says you two have become one. You are one body. So when part of your body cheats, then all of you have cheated. Are you, I'm talking about sexual immorality. We will call it cheating. So when he goes about sleeping around, it, you have done it. Because when, 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 when this finger gets hurt, who screams? When this your mouth? <laughs> the whole body feels pain. You say, I'm in pain, but it is the finger that is hurt. So you and your husband are one person. When he does something wrong, you have also done what? Damage. So if he goes about sleeping around with everybody he finds, he goes on your and repents on his behalf and say, Father, have mercy on us because we have sinned. If he's a thief, you have stolen as well. Because you are one flesh. So you put yourself in his position, you repent to God to forgive you, and then you take authority that has been given to you to overcome all the powers of the wicked one, and you cast out that demon of sexual immorality out of him. If your wife, if, if you say your wife embarrasses you whenever your parents come, she doesn't have money and she does this and that and that and that, it's your fault. You do not interfere for her. We are so good at condemning, we are so good at judging, but we take time to pray for these people. Instead of saying, I'm fed up of you, you're going to leave my house. Me, I'm fed up of your money, so I'm spent everyone that has come here away. Do you pray for this person? We need to pray for these people. We need to pray for our children. Instead of giving up on them. And you know, parents, we do pray for our children. Especially the mothers. But it so happens that when the child goes to the far extent of becoming rebellious, you are so fast to disown them. Especially the fathers. You are very fast to disown these children. Let me tell you. Only God can help you raise your children. You don't know where they pass. At school, where they go, you don't know which people they meet. You don't know the company that they keep. So the best thing you can do is to pray that God keeps them in the company of good people and cuts off the bad connection away from them. You don't have to complain all the time that your child is performing very badly. When you start calling them, they are very stupid. Definitely, they are going to be stupid. It is you who are saying it. You are saying the child is stupid, foolish. They don't perform well in class. And then you are the same person praying for God to restore their wisdom. How about you first stop calling them those words? This kid is very lazy. But at the same point, you are praying to God to deliver your child. How is the laziness going to get out if you keep on pronouncing it upon them? We have cast our children unknowingly. We think we are putting them right there and telling you those words hurt. Those words bind. That is how curses come upon the lives of your children. You are wondering why your child is not living up to the expectations that you, that you were hoping 
That it is because of the words you pronounced upon this child when they were young, you killed their soul's esteem. The Bible tells us that the spring water, and I think that is James, it still talks about the term. James talks about prayer. Let's read there, I think. Okay, James chapter 3. Um, let's start from verse 9. With the tongue, James 3 9, I'm reading verse 9. It says, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we cast men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and casting. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Praise God. If we pronounce blessings upon our children, let us also confess positively. If you, if you are praying to God to change our children, let us also confess positively. If we are praying to God to change our nation, let us also confess positively about it. If we are praying to God to change our leaders, let us also confess positively about them. If we are praying to God to change our friends, let us also make positive confessions about them. Take that negative talk out of your lips. Out of the same mouth, you are bringing out curses, and out of the same mouth, you are bringing out blessings. You are praying to God, and at the same time, you are using the tongue to curse others. You know, that is why sometimes you, you wonder why my prayers are not being answered. How can they? How can they be answered? You're the same person praying, God deliver my children, at the same time, you're calling them useless? They will not be answered. You know, same person saying, God, deliver my husband. At the same time, you're calling him irresponsible, foolish, and stupid. Come on. That's what your prayers will not be answered. You're saying, God, deliver our nation. God, deliver our land. But at the same time, you're saying, Uganda is a God developed country. It's very poor, very terrible leaders. All the leaders are corrupt. Really? And you're saying, God, change our nation. God, heal our land. How can that happen? You yourself are confessing negatively, and at the same time you say God heal our land. How is that going to happen? Change the words you say. Confess positively. If we want God to change our leaders, let us start saying positive words about them. Let us start praying for them. Let us have love for them. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 5, verse 44, that pray for those who persecute you. Even our persecutors, we should pray for them. Yes, we are seeing dictatorship going, going by, hey, we need to pray for these people. Because the Bible says so. Pray for our persecutors. If you are saying your boss as a very terrible person who is very tough and doing all that, he needs your prayers. He needs your prayers because what is in him is not him actually. It is the devil using him. The devil has used him as a vessel. That is why he's acting the way he is. But once you start praying for him, he will change. You see, when you look at Moses, Moses, his sister Miriam and Aaron rose up against him. And they say that why is it actually the only one who God talks to? Does God speak to only you? Does then he speak to also other people? Generally they rebelled against him. And the Bible says that Moses was a very calm man. He was the, the, the calmest that nobody could meet up to his level of calmness. But God fought his battle. You know what God did? He struck his sister Miriam with leprosy. But what did Moses do? Even when the sister was in the room, it was the sister who attacked him. He went to God and pleaded on, his, on her behalf and said, God, heal my sister. And God indeed did. It was after one day, uh, uh, was it? Okay, I don't remember the period that that sickness took, but one thing I can tell you is Moses prayed. 
Moses prayed and God healed the sister Miriam. I'm sure you've heard about that story. So when the Bible says pray for your persecutors, because they are examples here that happened in the Bible, these people prayed for them. People pray for their persecutors. They do not, instead of confessing negatively or bombing them or, or, or throwing fire at them, if Moses in that position would have said, how God completely strike her down, how can she pray stand up against me like that? But she prayed to God to heal her. He requested for God to forgive her. And indeed, God forgave her and healed her of her leprosy. So as a child of God, you see, the Bible clearly tells us that um, the wisdom of this world is foolishness in the sight of God. When we look at the worldly perspective, they will look at such as being, um, they could be foolish for being, for, for being so nice to your persecutors. They will call you foolish for praying for, for your enemies. If you say that I'm not going to go against, I'm not going to revenge, they will look at you and call you very stupid. You know, you, you cannot keep on praying for a person who did this to you. How can you? But the Bible clearly tells us that the wisdom of this world is foolishness in the sight of God. There is a reason as to why God told you to forgive your enemy. He said it is mine to avenge. Leave it all for him. Yes, they have wronged you. Yes, they have done evil against you. But he said it is mine to avenge. I will repay. Leave it for him. Why should you burden yourself? All you can do is pray for this person. The best thing you can do. Intercede for them. Intercede for everybody who does wrong against you. We don't have to hate. Tell the God, let me tell you one thing. When you get to heaven, you will wish you would have loved more. You will wish to have forgiven. You will wish you had given more. You would wish that you had preached the gospel to all ends of the earth. You know, there is a, a, a certain pastor, I think he passed away, but he said that when God showed him heaven and hell, he looked at hell and started asking God to please forgive Satan. Because he saw that the terror in hell was terrible. And he asked God, please, can't you forgive Satan? Because he saw the terror was so terrible. He said hell is a very terrible place for you to go to. It is so bad that the things that you look at in this world that are going to make you miss heaven are so worthless. It is all vanity. You need to let certain things go. We need to keep the judging and complaining aside. If we really want to see the glories in heaven, we need to start interceding for people instead of judging them for the simple mistakes they make. We wrong our God every now and then, but has He ever given up on us? He has never. If He had given up on us, we would have perished a long time ago. If He had given up on us, He would not have sent His Son to die for us and save us from all our sinful nature. But He has not. He still has hope in you and me. But much as he's doing that, he also wants you to have his character. He wants you to have go back in his image. Go back in the image of God that he created you in. It is only him to to judge. Let him be the judge. Yours is to pray. Your job is to pray. Every time that spirit will bring somebody to you, pray for this person. Let him be the judge of that. If he says that pray for all the drunkards that you see enter that bar, do that. Do not look at them and call them his best men. No, they are also his children. We have one father. He created them as just as he created you. When we look at all these people who go into sorcery, do not look at them and call them the devil. They are also his children. Just as he created them, he also created you. Intercede for them. You look at the prostitutes on the street and you say that those ones are sons of Satan. I mean children, daughters of Satan. He created them just as he created you. He delivered you too. He can still deliver them. Intercede. Intercede for those women. 
Situations can push you to that far extent, but you don't have to judge other people. You don't have to judge other people because of where they are. You don't have to judge a sister because she got herself pregnant in the church. Where, where were you when that happened? Did you take time and pray that, Lord, I bring all the ladies in the church into your hands, let them not fall pray to the temptations of the evil one? Oh, it is me, my children, my household. That is where we stop. Instead of complaining that the pastor backs to lead, pastor these days is now more interested in money because of the poor state that she's in. Do you take time and pray for your pastor that let him remain established in salvation? Do you take time and pray for his family that God will open up a major door for him and also lift him up to a high level where he can soar like an eagle? Do you? Let us limit the complaints and pray more. Let us limit the grumbling and intercede more, child of God. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. I believe with those words, we have understood the message. Praise God. Amen. So people in the Bible, uh, I will give you another example of Daniel. Daniel also interceded for Jerusalem when they were held into captivity in Jerusalem. That is Daniel chapter 9. You will read from verse 16 to 19. Time has gone, and I want us to pray. Uh, you will read this one when you go back. Daniel chapter 9, verse 16 to 19. As they were held captive in the land of Babylon, the captivity came about because these people rebelled against God. These people, the Israelites, had. So the Lord let them, he let them fall into the hands of their captors. They captured them. But even then, Daniel did not grumble. Daniel went on his knees and he started crying out to God to forgive Israel, the nation. Imagine these are people who don't know. You, don't, you know, in Uganda, you know very few people. You don't know the entire nation, all the Ugandans, you don't know them. But it's like Israel is like Uganda, let me say, it's a nation, just like Uganda is a nation. The same way this man went and prayed and interceded that have mercy on Jerusalem, Lord. It's the same way you should have said, Father, have mercy on Uganda, have mercy on us, the Ugandans. He fasted for 21 days, he prayed, and the Lord had, they were in captivity for 70 days, I mean years. But later on, the Lord took them out. He delivered them. So in the same way, if we really want to see peace in our nation, let us pray for it. If we really want to see godliness, a nation where God reigns, we need to intercede for our nation. If we really want to see good leadership in our country, let us intercede for our leaders. If we want to see our country grow and develop, let us intercede for it. Let us intercede for the Ugandan economy. But as we pray, leave the negative confession aside. Do not speak negatively. It is like you saying that, Father, deliver me from this state of poverty. But then again, when you go, you say, when you call yourself Monaco, you call yourself what? Monaco, a pauper, a poor person. You're saying, Father, deliver me, but every time you're the one who says, I don't have money, I'm broke. I'm broke, I'm broke. Every time that is what you keep saying, I'm broke, I'm broke, I'm broke. Even you will be broke. Will you ever have money when you keep saying you're broke? No. No, you will not. Praise Jesus. Amen. So when you get time, this is what I want you to do. When you get time, I believe starting this week, this new week, we are going to change our way of prayer. As you pray for yourself, get somebody or someone to intercede for. You can intercede for the area you're in, intercede for Balwa. If you stay in Balwa or wherever you stay, you can intercede for the nation. Every time you pray, you can intercede for your family. If you see they are conflicts, please intercede for them. Intercede for your children. Don't give up on them. The same way God doesn't give up on us. Yes, your child has gone way out of, 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 of life. They have become so rebellious to the extent that you feel you, you wish that child dead. The Bible says, pray for them. 
pray for them. They can come back to God, intercede. Praise Jesus. Find somebody to intercede for. But do it on a weekly basis. If it is fasting, do it. You can decide that every week. I am going to fast and pray, but I will be that, that prayer. I would that day. I will not pray for myself. I will completely leave myself out of my question, and I am going to be praying. Maybe this week I will pray for Uganda on this day. That entire day committed to Uganda. The next week I will get a day and pray for my pastors. That entire day committed to your pastors. Leave yourself out of my question. Just get that time and pray. Moses did it for 40 days, he did. Daniel did it 21 days for Israel. What is so hard for you to do? It is just a day in a week. Just a day in a week. You pray for yourself and you have been praying for yourself for that entire time. So next time, find somebody to intercede for. It can be your workmate in office. It can be your employer. Anybody. That is what intercession should be. Put yourself in their position and pray. Praise God. Amen. Okay, let us bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this wonderful sermon. Thank you, Jehovah, for opening up our eyes. Oh, Heavenly Father, go to this. Father in heaven, we repent, O Savior God, for being so selfish to the extent that we have only cared about ourselves, only our well-being, only our families, Lord, and our household, and sometimes we even forget them, Lord. Father, we cry out to you, starting from today, may you change us, Lord. May you give us a change of heart. Holy Spirit, teach us how to intercede. Holy Spirit, teach us how to love or save your God, even those that are wrong that, that when it comes to interceding for them, Father, we can do it wholeheartedly, from the bottom of our hearts of Jehovah, without feeling any, any pain, without feeling any anger and bitterness towards them. Teach us, O oh Father in heaven, how to intercede the right waking of kings. Holy Spirit, just as you complete, you always intercede for us to the Father. Let us learn intercession. Let us learn how to intercede for other people, for our children, for our husbands, for our nation, for our leaders, for our church, for the departments in our church, for our workmates, for our schools. Father in heaven, teach us how to intercede. Instead of complaining all the time about things, deliver us from grumbling. Deliver us from complaining. Deliver us, O gentle Savior, from always being, thinking about ourselves, always being self-centered, O Jehovah. Deliver us from selfishness, O Jehovah. Father in heaven, we cry out to you. Set us free from the selfish lifestyle, O heavenly Father God. Teach us your ways and guide us into your path. Father, we believe that starting from today, we have gone away with a new knowledge, learning how to intercede or save your God, O oh Lord, my God, just as your Holy Spirit will keep on guiding us and leading us. Oh, Father, we thank you. May this word work in our lives, O oh gentle Savior, all the rest of our lives, O oh Savior God. Father, I pray that let it not just stop here, O oh Heavenly Father God in the church, but as we live, let it work with us. Let it continue ringing in our ears and in our minds, O oh Holy Spirit. Let it continue ringing to us wherever we go, gentle Savior. We we pray, King of Kings and Lord of Gods, that let us keep on reigning in our minds, in our lives, and wherever we go, Jehovah. Take complete control, Holy Spirit. Take over, Father. We worship you. We exalt you, Lord. In Jesus' mercy, we have prayed and believed. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Okay, we are going to give. I request you to take out your time and offer time. And does anybody need an envelope? Uh, the envelopes are at the door. Who is there? Okay, woman is an envelope. Please put up your hand. They will give it to you. And put in your tag, put in your operatory, put in your seat, your first coach. You need an envelope? Just put in. Okay, so let us go ahead and prepare our offertory. And Father in heaven, we thank you, Jesus, you who have given us what to give. Father in heaven, we sanctify this thing with the blood of Jesus Christ. We water it with your precious blood of sin, and we pray that it is your 
books, just as you said in your word, that we should bring up full tithe and offers or into your house. Father, we have brought up full tithe and offers or and Father, you said that we should test you with this and see if you will not open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out your blessing upon us that we will even fall to get where to place it. Father in heaven, may you pour out your blessings, endless blessings, your Savior God, upon us, upon our children, upon our children's children and generations to come, O King of kings and Lord of lords. We dedicate our finances into your hands, Savior, as we give in your church. Father in heaven, may you handle our finances. As we give in your house, may you handle our financial status, O heavenly Father God. We commit all our plans, O Savior, and our work this week into your hands, O Jehovah. Guide us, O King of glory. Take that lead, O precious Savior. Guide us every step of the way. We come against any plans of the wicked one upon our lives, upon our children, upon our families, upon our households. This entire week, O Jehovah, we commit all our businesses into your hands. We commit all our ways. We commit all ourselves into your hands, O Savior God. Father, use us as vessels, O Heavenly Father God, to draw people to your Heavenly Father God, O Lord my God. Take complete control, Jesus. Take over, Father. Hide us under your blood. Wherever we go, our finances, our businesses, hide them under your blood, O Jehovah, where the devil can do us no harm. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, we have prayer and belief. Amen. Thank you for coming. This has been the morning service. Please, you can come and give me your tithe and repertory. May God bless you. As you leave, you can say hello to somebody. Remember, we are not shaking hands, but just tell them hello. Thank you for coming to church. And let's get to you for the second service. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.